0: Welcome back to another episode of Talkin' Trap. I'm your host, Gary Putnick, and today I'm joined by V89 Scott Clemens. Today we discuss if the Tucker Center is actually a tough place for opponents to play in, along with the rest of Monday night's big game between the Seminoles and the Cardinals. We also get into FSU baseball and their big weekend ahead. Let's jump right into it. Right, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Shop. This time, just got one guy with me, Mr. Scott Clemens from WVFS. How you doing, sir? I'm I'm doing all right. There's been a lot of kind of interesting news
1: coming out, for Florida State stuff this week, specifically the Andy Katz tweet from what was it, like 30 minutes ago, which I think we're gonna get into.
0: But... Oh yeah, we'll get we'll get right into that. But first, let's talk, yeah. let's talk about some other headlines around Seminole athletics. First off, we got some FSU golf news. Junior John Pack picked apart the Golden Eagle Country Club course this past weekend as he shot 11-under in three rounds to win his second seminal intercollegiate title. With that, he's only one win away from tying Nolan Hinkey's individual title record of eight wins. And then on to the pool now where we, FSU won the silver medal in the 200-meter medley relay and the bronze in the 800-free uh, relay at the ACC Championships in Greensboro, North Carolina. <clears throat> And last but not least, we got FSU Beach Volleyball, who got off to a hot start last weekend, where they went seven and zero in the Seminole Beach Bash. The Knolls lost only two matches the whole weekend, so I'd say it's a solid weekend if you ask me. And they'll continue their season with four matches at the Hilton Head Island Invitational in Hilton Head, South Carolina. So a lot of other inf- a lot of other headlines coming out of around FSU Athletics, but. First we gotta talk about what you just mentioned, the Andy Katz from NCAA March Madness, who's on NCAA March Madness tweeted it out on their Twitter <clears throat> and it's regarding Andy Katz podcast. I think it's called March Madness three sixty five. Yeah, that's what it appears. So he put out a he put out a list. He ranked the top ten most difficult home courts to play at this season. This season, the twenty nineteen to twenty twenty season. Not the past four seasons, but the past just this one season and he ranked it from 1 to 10. Gonzaga, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, Auburn, Dayton, Oregon, Baylor, BYU and Rutgers. If you missed it, I did not read Florida State because I don't know where the heck his head is at, but just to give you some if you're if you don't follow FSU basketball, I know a lot of people in the media don't really watch it that much and it it's, it shows cuz uh, was I know on on the on Monday night or yeah Monday night after the big win against Louisville, uh, I think Kevin or whoever is doing the Sports Center, was saying because uh, the Trent Forrest uh, dunk was the number one play. He said who's quietly been FSU has quietly been sitting at number six this season. Yeah. So that just goes to show you that they don't really pay attention at ESPN either. But <clears throat> if you haven't been paying attention, FSU has yet to lose a game at home this year. Last time they lost a game at the Tucker Center was last year against Duke, which was a buzzer beater, yeah, very buzzer close buzzer the... beater, Cam Reddish. I'm still mourning that game. But... Yeah, tough one. And then they and then dating back to 2016, they've only lost two other games at the Tucker Center. 2016 to 17 season, they didn't lose a game. 17 to 18 season, they lost only one game to Louisville, and then last season they lost to Duke and Virginia at home. So, where where is Andy Katz getting this wrong? Why doesn't he realize that Florida State is a team that belongs in this top ten? I know this really isn't that big of a deal because it's just some random guy. It's just a guy who does a podcast, his yeah. top ten list. I know if we made our own top ten list, people would be like, why should we really care about these guys' top ten list? But because I think it's mainly because he's got the NCAA moniker next to his name that yeah. people take notice. I mean, it's def- but
1: kind of what you've been saying before with no one in the media watching watches fsu basketball i would very much agree with that it was uh that was a lot of the talk earlier this year where uh i think it was mj walker said that uh fsu was the most disrespected team in the ncaa and also going back to last year ham or coach hamilton did an interview with it was after the i think it was the acc tournament where we had a bunch of success and he was like i completely expect and some what am i trying to say here uh someone had asked them like how like did you what do you do you take this uh your success coming as a surprise he was like no but i'm sure y'all do because y'all couldn't name any of my players before the start of the season and it was that kind of like, it was that kind of dirt that i think this team recognizes and they do feel disrespected and honest and honestly. as they should yeah. honestly
0: as they should I mean Jay Billis the FSU put out a bunch of quotes from the other night from the big win against Louisville Jay Billis was quoted saying about the Tucker Center about the game at the Tucker Center he said this was an impress this was as impressive an atmosphere as I've ever seen anywhere dead serious I just think it was the people in it that just goes to show you like people in Tallahassee they've recognized this team they know they're good and they know they're they have a chance to be great. And everyone else sees it here in Florida. Maybe, I don't know about the rest of Florida, but up here in North Florida, everyone sees it. But it's crazy to think that people in the media, I know that we do have some, FSU does have some people in the media that are on their side right now. I know John Rothstein has taken notice, but he doesn't just have hobbies. He just watches college, college basketball. <laughs> so he really knows a lot about the game. And not saying that Andy Katz doesn't either, but it's just, maybe he's just watching too casually. Maybe, I don't know if he's stuck in his northern bias or I don't know if I know like we have the southeast bias for college football like I guess there's that northern bias or the blue blood blue blood bias for college basketball and FSU just they're getting disrespected no one recognizes it and even down to like like was another writer for war chant uh Corey Clark he was quoted saying Never in my life have I heard a noise louder than what the Civic Center produced on Monday night during the Seminoles' 82-67 to 67 win over Louisville. And from a guy that's been here for a while covering FSU athletics and covering them very well, that's a lot. Like, that was... And I wasn't able to make it because I was out at... I was here at the at V89 recording yeah. Tomahawk Talk, but when I got home, I caught the second half of the game, and I had my TV turned up so I could actually hear what was going on there... And after the after the Patrick Williams dunk was I think that was a thirteen to zero run or fifteen to zero run at the yeah, time. Yeah,
1: something crazy like that. That
0: was the loudest I've ever heard it, and then Trent Williams made it even louder after he posterized Nuora on the breakaway <sighs> dunk later on. Yeah. I I was fortunate enough to be at the game. Mm. I had
1: fought the student ticket scene to be in in order to go and that I remember I was sitting with a buddy of mine, and I had, I had to drink tea afterwards. Like, we had gone to Moser's, and something. I ended up drinking tea because my voice was gone. And we were, like, because it had all happened, like, when when we talk about these runs, like, the 15 to nothing run, or the 20, I think it was, like, 20 to 3 throughout that entire period, You, we make it seem like there was this sort of, like, automatic shift. It wasn't like that. I had literally, I was, look, I was, I don't know if I had zoned out or anything, but I had I remember I was sitting there and we were down by eleven at one point. Then I look looked over, and we're only down by three. And then I look up, and then I look up again, and we're up by five. And Patrick Williams is just destroying every, everything. And it's this very kind of it was very this kind of surreal moment of everyone just coming together. And was like, oh crap, we're gonna do this,
0: and it was crazy. I know, like. Alex Crutchick for uh, W or for the FSU. He wrote a great piece from a fans' perspective. Go check it out on FS, FSUnews.com. But it was just something insane to see, and like it wasn't all just the players. I mean, the players even credit. I swear, after every single game, the players and Coach Hamilton, someone says something about how the fans have been so great each and every game, and that's the truth. They're not just saying that to. Blow smoke up everyone's butt right now, but like they're actually mean that because the fans have been there. And like, I know, like, I haven't been able to go every single home game this year because I've had to do a lot of other things for media. But going back to last season when FSU played Purdue, that was the loudest I've ever heard, and that was the most energetic I've ever heard. After uh, Trent made a, I think Trent made a buzzer beater shot, or not a buzzer beater, but he made a last second shot to force uh, Purdue to try and make a half-court shot to win the game. FSU ended up stealing the ball and uh, running out the clock. But I thought that was the loudest that place could ever get at the time. And then seeing it on Monday night in the fashion that they did it, it really shows how the crowd can really help turn these games around because the crowd, di- I you can see probably the crowd got into it a lot more in that second half because the first half was kind of slow, wasn't really a great game for FSU. Yeah, de- definitely. We kind of, or well, Florida State had kind of fallen behind
1: in that first that first half and what really what really it ended up being was that uh they they were just causing fouls Florida State as we all know they play this very like strong physical game where they try to wear you out and in the case if you and you know there might have been a couple of players that might have been like over embellishing a couple of fouls I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go and charge them with flopping that happens but, though it's basketball yeah. at the end of the day yeah and especially with the style of like i think someone in the media called it junkyard basketball at one point with when you play that kind of phys- when you play really physical like hamilton and fsu love love to do you're gonna like the you're gonna get the co- you're not gonna get you're not going to have to call go your way most of the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you play that style, that junkyard style of basketball on defense and on offense, too, I mean, you can play it on that end, too. But when you play that style on defense, it causes a certain amount of panic because they really didn't seem to be playing that same style junkyard dog defense on the first half. But in the second half, Louisville was taking a lot more rushed shots. They weren't really able to work it down into the paint. And when they did, they seemed to kind of panic and just try and throw up a layup as quickly as they could before anyone on fsu could even reach them and so that little bit of panic and kind of narrowing the court down not letting them be able to have the space they want and have the time that they wanted really caused this it's that downhill slide that resulted in them be in louisville being outscored 50 to 27 in the second half which is crazy to see i don't i don't think we've seen this fsu team put up 50 points in a second half like that in that sort of fashion and I think that was something that could only happen at the Tucker Center because of the crowd because of that momentum that comes along with it. Oh yeah, crazy. Going going back to the Cats uh, tweet from
1: earlier, I one like I know we're all kind of enraged about it because we're students, we're fans, we're we're going to the games in mass and showing up, but one thing that I think we can take away from it is that any sort of I guess kind of like if they if uh, there was no fire under under this team before. If they had kind of calmed down a little bit, th- thinking Louisville's out of the way, we're gonna run out. All of that is gone now. the The sense of like disrespect has come back, and this is, I think, gonna light a fire under this team and Ex- hopefully carry us to a
0: strong rest of the season. Exactly, and like this team, I I don't even know if they need any of this outside media talk saying uh, who fs who like any of that whole thing you're probably going to hear that a thousand times if you go on Twitter about FSU basketball later on March or come the ACC tournament but they don't need that I think they just got they have that inner drive to them where they can just put the blinders on and just go and play basketball and that's what I really love about this team is that they'll they'll do their trash talking they'll do their stuff but they let their game do they let their they let their play do all that talking and we saw I know Jordan Noir and some other uh, Louisville players were even drawn off on Monday night after the game and I think Trent lo- uh, looked at whoever was talking to him and he just it looked like he pointed at the scoreboard from the video that we were all that we all saw from ESPN so that really just goes to show it's like he didn't need to say yo screw you whatever anything like that but he just had to point at the scoreboard and say did you just see what we did to you guys yeah you guys were up x amount eight, eight at the half it doesn't matter we still beat you 50 to twenty second seven in the second yeah and if i remember
1: correctly that was actually like malik williams who had kind it was, of who was yeah, Adam, right. Yep, and he had gotten hurt in the first half and so there was probably like a l- little bit of like hey if i hadn't gotten hurt this wouldn't have been the case and trent was just like it doesn't matter
0: like, yeah, I don't know if yeah, I don't know if him being out I mean, granted, yeah, it was he only played that two minutes. He had he came down on the after getting a rebound and he twisted his ankle. Yeah. And so yeah, that does play a big factor, but still I don't know. It's, does, it's just that moment does that momentum come about from the fans? Does momentum come about from the team if Malik Williams isn't there? And I know we say it's a team game and not one man makes every team and makes the whole thing go, but would it have changed it that much? I I mean it def I think the game definitely would have been closer
1: and had he and had Williams played that full game it would have had like he definitely would have had more of an impact, but I don't think it erases the
0: like fifteen point like, cause that's a huge it's gap insane. right there for one single player to cover. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you look at it from a Moneyball perspective, like, they, in the movie it was always like, we gotta find X amount of players to replace X amount of at bats and runs and whatever. Was would Malik Williams be able to replace twenty three points or find was, are there twenty three points in Malik Williams in that one game that can bring it to even a tie ball game? And I don't know if there was. And even if there was, maybe FSU scores a little bit less points because his defensive presence comes in and maybe stops a few more layups, maybe stops a few more shots, whatever. But I still don't think it does. I don't think it makes that huge of a difference. I still think FSU wins in the second half because this team has proven they can fight in second halves, and they can come out every single time. And regardless of how they exactly play in the first they can straighten, right the ship and get it all straightened out like they did against NC State the previous weekend. They were down, what is that, I think it was five points at the half, then they'd come out and score 40 in the second. So, I mean, not 50, but 40 still is an impressive number, and they outscored NC State 40-29. to 29. So it's pretty much the same exact thing, and that was a road game in NC State. NC State was just coming off a big, huge win against Duke the previous on, I think, the Wednesday or Tuesday night beforehand, and... They just, FSU was able to come in and stomp out the fire before it got too big. Yeah, like and I think uh, both of these games are a testament to
1: how kind of Coach Ham system works. It's there's no kind of real star of this team. Yeah, you have the Trent Forrest, the Devin Vassell, and MJ Walker, but this is as uh, Ham likes to put it, it's a win by com- win by committee game, and they really they really relish in the second half. Of teams that aren't that lack that depth mm-hmm. of wearing them down. You saw that in the Louisville game with MJ Walker's dunk; how he literally just made one move around
0: the guy, and they were they were spent. It was over. Exactly, and was FSU? They had nine players get twelve minutes or more in the game against Louisville. Crazy nine guys. That's enough for that's almost two rosters in yeah. basketball. So it's so tough to compete with a team that way. And I know. Not every guy out of those nine guys who put up 12 minutes or more put up over 10 points, but any night of the week, those guys can do that, and that's what makes FSU such a dangerous team, especially come tournament time, because when you're playing two, like for the first first and second rounds of the tournament, when you play the game on like Thursday and Saturday or Friday and Saturday Sunday, you get worked, and that's tough because you generally aren't playing two you aren't playing two games in three days. You're not doing that kind of work generally, so. That's where FSU is really going to have that huge advantage coming down the stretch. And that's, I mean, I didn't see it at the beginning of the year, and I didn't believe it at the beginning of the year, and I didn't believe it going into this season, that this team has a chance to make a Final Four and maybe even do better. But I'm starting to see it all come together now. Yeah. One, qu- one question that
1: I have for you, something that's been kind of interesting, that March Madness always has the story of, like, the guy who, like, maybe... I don't want to say doesn't do well in the regular season, but it's kind of unheard of and then shines throughout the year. Like you mm-hmm. have like the Jimmer for debts and the spike Albrecht, who is this kind of guy for FSU that maybe comes off the bench or that not a lot of people know about and really pops off and becomes that, Kind of like the like the name of this tournament this year. Uh,
0: you're, so you're pretty much asking if who's going to be the uh, shoot? What's his name from FSU baseball in the NCAA tournament? The the well, I can't Becker. Yeah, Bec- Tim is. Who's the Tim Becker of FS or of FSU basketball this year? And I could honestly see it if if anyone. It might be Raquan Evans. Evans could maybe do that. I know he's kind of started to pick up a little bit of steam coming towards the end of this season so far. He's starting to understand his role, and say. Trent Forrest gets in foul trouble in one game early on in the tournament, or any game in the tournament, they're going to need Evans or Polite to step in there and help out with some guard play because MJ Walker can't play a full game. You can't have Vassell take it up all the time. You're going to need another guard to really help you do that, and I think Raquan Evans can. Yeah, one, my, mine I think is kind of a dark horse candidate, but
1: uh, my thing is is that fa- in or basketball fans, they love the three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Like, NCAA tournament, <laughs> tournament, you you have the deep threes in the corner. And so I think my honest candidate is going to be Wyatt Wilkes. Just, okay. Just because we've seen him in games just be able to light up, like, hit, like, just roll him off, like, four or five threes in a row. You get that kind of performance in one of those big, like, Elite 8, Sweet 16 games, his name's going to be plastered all over the place. And oh, I yeah. think that and i think that would be very interesting to see and also another guy that could do that would be anthony polite he's kind of become the kind of i think default three point shooter for this team but who knows like for all we know maybe patrick williams become like decides to use this as his moment <clears throat> to make himself like this nba lottery pick and really just raise his game to the next level
0: yeah and i was i patrick williams would be the easy person to say there but he's been playing a ton of minutes he's really like i said raquan evans is starting to pick up steam patrick williams has been balling out these past four, three weeks or so every other game he's putting up to over 10 points he's playing about 25 27 28 9 minutes a game and he's really showing his stuff that he can be that nba lottery pick that we all expected at the beginning of the year and he's playing from the role that Fiondo Galley kind of played from last year the wait bout till the U16 timeout or a little bit beforehand and then sub him in and he really loves it seems like he's really been accustomed to that role and he enjoys it almost yeah. i mean that guy is i mean he's just a walking block party on almost oh my like, he, like his
1: his abilities on defense are absolutely insane and then he like Jenner, and he can follow that up you saw the uh you saw the steal in the dunk Monday night, and just his overall offensive performance has improved so much that he is really a threat coming off the bench for Florida State.
0: Exactly, and he's not like a guy, like, I know everyone can look at kind of Devin Vassell, and he's like, uh, he needs a bit, little bit more muscle on him, he needs to develop more with his body, but Patrick Williams, I think he's already there. Yeah. In terms of body development and muscle strength, maybe he can add, a, like, another five pounds of muscle, that would be great, but... I think even right now, he's at the right right physical body to be playing in the NBA. And that's what makes him so difficult. And I know you mentioned Wyatt Wilkes before, but another thing that deserves mention is that FSU was able to play the bench mob, the Vipers, in a game against Louisville. Nathaniel Jack, Harrison Pietro, Will Miles, Justin Lindner, Travis Light, Wyatt Wilkes, all those guys, able to get at least one minute of time against the Cardinals. So a little bit... A little bit of disrespect uh, to Louisville. I know Wake Forest is rolling in their graves last, since last year, going on and on about how FSU shouldn't be playing the bench guys in a big game like that and have them yeah. shooting. <laughs> I mean, if you're up by 15
1: with a couple of minutes left and there and your opponent is showing no effort, why, like, why not put those guys in? Like in foot, like in if we didn't do that in football, we'd be running up the score. And exactly. so, like, these guys, you obviously see the amount of passion they have for this team. They're, like, I, it was NC State. They were jawing at them. And a bunch of people, a bunch of the ACC, they hate those guys. And, like, I get it,
0: Honest, honestly. Yeah, I they, would be angry, too, if uh, another team sent in. If I was a player or a fan of another team and they sent in their, the guys that aren't as good or they always are on the bench doing the celebrations after threes or whatever, and they send them in, and they're coming in shooting the lights out at the gym. Yeah. I would be, I would be pissed. Yeah, and then but yeah, but yeah. and
1: so it's very kind of, I don't know. I'm all for it because you really see. I think that is one of the greatest opportunities to see how this team works because those those guys come in and you have like Malik and Trent and all those guys. They're they're losing their minds watching those, and like you see this kind of the whole like sense of brotherhood and the pride that everyone ha- has in each other and how this system works what uh ham says the team by committee
0: that you really kind of s- see why everyone in Tallahassee loves this team exactly and I feel like if the rest of the nation kind of saw it and paid more attention everyone would I'd I don't know. If, I maybe people would say, "Oh, I don't like FSU because it's FSU," and they kind of are thinking about the football side of the university. But this this basketball team is completely different. This is a love. This is a very likable team, in my opinion. And I don't know. If there's too many spots where people can point out and say, "Yeah, these guys are a bunch of a holes." Yeah. I our, our day will come. I think you give us
1: like this term, March Madness might be it for us. You give us a spotlight. You get. Like you have the like month long like, I know people that will watch every single game. Like it doesn't like it doesn't matter if it's like North Dakota State and like Saint Bonaventura. People will watch every single game, and so
0: you give us you give us a spotlight, and I think people will start to come around on FSU basketball. Mm-hmm. And I'm that guy that watches every single game. On the first day of the tournament, on that Thursday and Friday, I will have not I will have about three or four I'll try to have three or four screens or as many as I can yeah. tuned in to different games so I could track all my picks for my bracket. I know everyone else is probably maniacs when they come to their bracket when we get around that time. But we got a we got a few more games to go before we can reach tournament time and I know FSU they got they got a tough one I'd say this weekend. Or not really a tough one, but kind of a trap game for the Seminoles. They take on Clemson at Clemson in Little John Arena this Saturday afternoon. Clemson's been a pretty tough place to play this year. Oh. I know Dukes ran in there. They got beat. And then Louisville also got beat in Little John Arena. So this is not going to be a cakewalk. Granted, what we saw from their previous game when Clemson and FSU played, FSU dismantled them 72-53. to 53, But I'm expecting a
1: whole different ballgame this time around. Oh, yeah. No, this one is going to be de- – it's definitely going to be one of those tight a- ACC games mm-hmm. that we've that we've seen FSU play all year just because of how tough Clemson is at home. You brought up that Duke Duke went to Clemson and lost. Louisville went to Clem, Clemson and lost. North Carolina when we all thought that they were going to be good went to Clemson and lost. Mm-hmm. And so that's definitely going to be a tough place to play. I still think that FSU can will will pull pull it out and leave, leave South Carolina with, with with a win, but it's definitely going to be one of those. like I'm going to be on the edge of my seat. Kind of it's gonna be it's gonna be another one of those maybe like the Notre Dame game when they came to te- when they came to the Tuck this season and almost
0: beat us. Yeah, for for sure, this is Clemson seems to play up well to their competition. That's a credit to them. I know they'll they'll slip up every now and then. Every now and then when they're at home, I know they lost to Miami. I believe they lost to Miami at home this year. But they've beaten some decent teams. They've beaten like we said, Duke, NC State, UNC, Louisville. They've beaten probably the four or five better teams in the league at home this year but fsu they're really gonna have to step it up and they're really gonna have to not let their foot off the gas here because i know everyone can come and say oh this is the letdown game this is what nc state what happened with nc state the other day last week when they beat duke and then they come into fsu and they kind of lay an egg in the second half that's very possible for florida state to let this happen but like we said before, this team has a different mentality and this team shows something else every single time they come out because it's not only the one, one guy who does it all but the, it's a whole team effort and it's impressive to see. So I don't know, if, I don't think Florida State's going to lose this game personally. Like you said, I think it will be a short one or a close one down the line but it's going to be and it's going to be a fun one for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I'll I'll be on
1: the edge of my seat, kind of biting my nails. My, uh, My grandmother, she went to FSU back in like the 50s, or yeah, 50s, and she used to be like a stack girl for the basketball team way back when. So she will really get really get into these games my uncle sends me videos all all the time of her like rocking back and forth and <laughs> crying and so hopefully I won't be like that watching the game I know she'll be freaking out but I will de- it should definitely be an interesting game that will cause more than a few grandmothers to have panic attacks
0: yeah I I'd be very interested in seeing the video of you rocking back and forth in your chair ner- as a nervous wreck watching this game on Saturday afternoon. But going back to the last time these two teams met when, in Tallahassee, FSU. the reason I think FSU was able to do so well in this game is because they limited Amir Sims and kind of put more pressure on Tevin Mack, the two best players for Clemson. If they can do that same sort of thing again this time around, they're going to have a pretty easy day because... It generally happens when you have a team that's built around one guy where if you can limit that one guy, it forces everyone else to have to step up. And sometimes those guys aren't used to that sort of thing. Like if I know like FSU with uh, Zion last year against Duke. Trent Forrest took accidentally poked Zion in the eye. Some people say it was an accident. Some people may say otherwise. But Zion was forced to come out of the game. And granted, they still had R.J. Barrett. They still had a phenomenal team around him. But it said to everyone else, like, hey, you have to step up now. You have to do your part. And some sometimes those guys aren't ready for that spotlight. So if they can either limit Sims or Mac in this game again, it's going to be a pretty easy time. Yeah. My kind of, I guess, advice would be for that team is just play
1: your game. Like, Clemson doesn't have – like, I don't <clears throat> think their talent matches where FSU is right now. So if you, you can just play your game and – then you should you should be able to come out of it. it. Might be a close one and there might and who knows there might be a sh- shocker in South South Carolina come this weekend, but I really think if FSU just sticks to the game plan and do what they do best, they can
0: pull this one out. Yeah, and it's going to be a tough one. I know Clemson fans will probably be showing up in droves for this one as they do for all their big games, but It'll be a tight one for sure, but I think that's all we got for FSU basketball. That was a lot of stuff, and it, uh, grand, deservedly so. It's been a yeah. big week for them, and hopefully it keeps getting bigger. So let's jump over now to baseball. We can t- uh, touch a little bit on them before we uh, call this one a day, but they got a big weekend this week here in uh, Tallahassee. They have our, they will be hosting two NCAA tournament teams at Dickhouser Stadium. FAU and Texas Tech will be coming to town for FSU, they'll be playing four games in three days. FAU will be playing three games in two days. Texas Tech will only be playing. Uh, they'll be playing three games in three days. So yeah. Texas Tech has a little bit of the easier weekend out of the two team out of the three teams here. But Florida State, they'll be forced to be. Pl- they're going to be playing some solid teams. And Texas Tech, if you look at some of the rankings, it all depends on which one you're going towards. Texas Tech's a number five team in the D1Baseball.com rankings. And they are. Let me see on Baseball America. They're number four in Baseball America. So FSU will have to be taken will have to play up if they want to win. Just like FSU, Texas Tech has one loss this year, but not to the same level of competition. Texas Tech lost to Tennessee on February 21st, six to two in Texas. It was one of those round. It was a Round Rock Classic down there in the Lone Star State. And compared to Florida State's loss to Niagara in game one of the season, I know people will say, oh, they shouldn't have lost that game. How could they lose to a team that uh, can't even play outside for X amount of months out of the year, considering Niagara's from around Buffalo, New York. And the FSU has since shut, I'd say, shut up those haters and shut up those critics about that, yeah. With their mainly with their bats. This all team right. has been raking all over the yard since, especially Elijah Cabell. Elijah Cabell has been a monster. He has three home runs this... Uh, he had three home runs in... Or no, sorry. It, it, yeah, he had three home runs in three games, right? Oh, yeah. some Yeah, it was... But yeah,
1: it was all kind of slayed across this weekend. He was a guy where if you're kind of watching the games last year, like, you see it there. You see kind of that potential. But he, like...
0: He just last, needs to get over that hump. Yeah,
1: he needs to get over that hump. He need, needed to get over kind of the freshman kind of struggles a little bit and really be able to kind of launch himself and this weekend i think could definitely be the start of that you could see him kind of living up to his potential of being like this like of being this
0: uh offensive force that fsu needed exactly and i mean he had those 3 home runs last week and he has 15 rbis so far this year That's crazy 15 total bases and then he also has 8 hit by pitches yeah the and, dude the dude's a magnet yeah. right now and some great hair too like pretty decent hair yeah, yeah like that that
1: main is flowing when he runs. The What is it? Like, Elijah Cabell's hat, like the joke Twitter accounts one of the best things I've seen in a while.
0: Yeah, whoever runs and that's doing a pretty good job. It kind of reminds me of the Blake Bortles Facts <laughs> Twitter yeah. account. They kind of are like the same thing in a sense. But Cabell, not only does he have those eight hit-by-pitches, but six walks and only nine strikeouts. Grand, that means he's sec- tied for second on the team in strikeouts right now with Matthew Nelson. But if you the way he's getting on base and the amount of times he's getting on base now is so much better and i there's been a material change with him in coming from last year to this year cuz last year he was by far the worst in terms of strikeouts for this team he could not go it felt like a game without one or two strikeouts and even in the first game against niagara he had four strikeouts so he's really seemed to turn it around since then he's only had five obviously since the first game but the amount of times he's getting on base he see, seems to be seeing the ball a bit better being a bit more patient at the plate and waiting for his pitch, and that's what's really going to be able to change in him going down the line and throughout the rest of the season. That's been the thing I've probably been the most happy about. Yeah. yeah, what have you seen? Is there any other player that's kind of stood out to you? Doesn't have to be Elijah Bell. Could be also a batter or pitcher. Yeah, I I would say is that uh, pit. I think pit or FSU's
1: kind of pitchers will definitely kind of carry this team. Like CJ Van eyck has been. Uh, he he had. Well, I mean, he played well against Niagara. To be, to be he fair, like, he pitched he, well. It was the
0: bullpen in the ninth inning that kind of blew that game. Yeah,
1: out. and like Con- Connor Grady as well has been do has been playing pretty well this season, and that I think is going to be a big kind of factor in how F- FSU plays and uh, how like you see kind of Martin Junior slowly adjusting to that role as a game manager, kind of figuring out like what works and what doesn't with this team and really kind
0: of seeing where we need to put those guys. And exactly, and I know you said Connor Grady's been doing well. Chase Haney, the captain of this team, phenomenal. Seven and a third innings, no in runs, two wins this season too. So, I mean, those are the Connor Grady and Chase Haney are going to be your two rocks in the bullpen for this season if you're Mike Martin Jr. And those are going to be guys that you have to lean on in certain situations. I know Velez is also there. I love Velez, what he's been able to show the past two seasons. I think it's really that core group Brady, Haney and Velez, and then I think you're going to start seeing some other guys come about. I know Kwiatkowski's there. Kwiatkowski's very good, but Parker Messick looked very solid in the game on uh, last two Tuesdays, or yeah two Tuesdays ago against or two Tuesdays ago he looked great in that one. So against USF, I know he's got some high he's got some high upside potential. Only gave up three hits. He's only pitched and he's pitched four and a two thirds. So he's really got some impressive stuff. And then I mean this team is they. They have a potential to be there again when it comes to time to go to Omaha. It's just, can they turn on the Jets and kind of see where they're at in the situation of the season and not let the moment get too big? Because obviously we saw that moment get a little bit too big for them on opening night as they were all over the place. They were way, Like Martin said, they were way too up in the box. They were tr- or not up in the box, but uppity to try and hit a ball out in front, not letting the ball travel deep and trying to push it the other way. They were all trying to hit home runs to the pull side. So that kind of mentality really is detrimental to a team, when, a baseball team, in terms of hitting. It's I and mean, it's it's evident when you see it because that team isn't going to be successful. There's going to be a high strikeout rate. It's not going to be a lot of walks. It's not going to be a lot of singles and bunts and getting the guy over. And that's something that my I myself enjoy watching the team play small ball. I know some other people. I know at Bru- Brett Rutherford does not like that style of baseball, but that's something that I've really enjoyed this year. So I think. I think Martin's got a have pretty good grasp on this team so far.
1: Yeah, I but yeah I'd say so. He's definitely kind of uh, evolving into that role. This uh, past weekend was a great kind of showing from him. But but yeah, o- overall, I personally think we split this weekend just because like I think the Mm. opponents are just, like, it's a tough weekend,
0: especially playing, (coughs) what is it, like four games in three days? Yeah, so, yeah, for the exacts, they play FAU Friday night at 6 p.m., FAU Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m., Texas Tech Saturday night at 6 p.m., and then Texas Tech on Sunday at 1 p.m. So four games, three days, and one thing that did help, though, is that they did have their game against Jacksonville in Jacksonville postponed this past Tuesday. That is huge for them because... They didn't have to waste any arms they got a full week the pitchers got a full week's rest and that was the one thing that i was really concerned a lot about this weekend is that when you get these four games in a weekend it's tough to manage pitching and you got to really be a lot more cognizant a lot more thoughtful on who you're bringing in and when you're bringing them in because maybe he runs a bit too long and that means you can't use him the next game or you can't use him the next day so that's something that that's gonna be the biggest challenge and that's something i really will be paying attention to this weekend to see how martin and uh, Coach Bellinger manage their pitching changes. Yeah,
1: yeah, I yeah, I'd agree. What is your kind of prediction for how this weekend goes?
0: I, I could see FSU. I really could. This weekend could either go them winning three. I think the highest their ceiling would be three and one this weekend, winning both against FAU and dropping one to Tech and winning one to Tech, or they could very well go own four. FAU is a solid ball club being from Boca Raton seeing this team play knowing coach McCormick and this team from FAU they'll always have some dudes and they because they recruit well South Florida is a very great a very good spot to recruit for baseball because coach McCormick does not have to go more than 30 minutes away from their home from home plate at in at FAU stadium to find great talent because uh, there's the elite squad you have a ton of other teams in that area that just have, it's a plethora of talent. So, FAU will be a task, a tall task to even get by. I know they kind of blew through them in the NCAA tournament last year because they ended up meeting up against each other. And that was, I think, the first time they had uh, played against each other since 1998. And this will be the first time since then where they played in a regular season game. Yeah. So, realistically, I'll probably just take the safe pick and go 2 and 2, like you said. But, very realistic that this team could end up 0-4 by the end of this one. So it's uh, it's going to be a very tough weekend, and I know they'll they'll have a quick turnaround too. After that weekend, they'll go up to Mercer in Macon, Georgia, to take on the Bears on Tuesday, at March 3rd at 6 p.m. But that's going to be a t- it's going to be a tough week for them coming up. So it's going to be a lot of great baseball, and I know even then if. You don't get to see FSU play, or if you are in town and you just want to watch a lot of baseball, FAU and Texas Tech will be playing a Friday at one p.m. So, even more baseball, I'm all for it. I'll probably go be at that. I'll probably be at that game on Friday at one just to go watch my hometown team. My hometown team play because it's a ton of fun seeing them go. Yeah, I'll be at the game Friday night. Uh, co-
1: covering with WVFS, so I'll probably be. In my apartment,
0: doing homework with the window open, seeing if I can catch a little bit of that game. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna be gonna be a pretty chilly weekend out there too. So I mean, it'll be nice. It's certainly gonna be a a great weekend of FSU athletics. I know you could probably go around up and down the lineups for all these programs and find something somewhere. I know women's golf. I believe their week they have their only home tournament of the season. Kind of isn't a home tournament since Seminole Legacy Golf Course isn't open yet. But they will be playing a tournament out in Pensacola. So that'll be a good time out there for the girls. And I think that's all we got for FSU Athletics. I know we weren't able to touch on everything, but I feel like we did touch on some of the more important stuff.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a packed weekend. There was no way I think we could like I mean, unless y'all want us to, unless y'all want to listen to us for two hours,
0: which can we go? For, was I feel like it'd be more like five hours if we wanted Sheesh. to talk about everything? Because I mean, FSU track and field they got the ACC championships this weekend, I believe. Swimming and diving is doing well for FSU. They're in ACC tournaments, like I read at the beginning of the show. Women's golf, women's tennis, men's tennis. There's so much FSU softball. They got the Woo Pig Classic this weekend out in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yeah. So I mean, it's.
1: It it's, is a lot. It's a
0: good time to be a fan
1: of FSU athletics right now. There's yeah. a lo- We have a lot of, or Florida State has a lot of things going for them right now all across the board. And it'll it's definitely an interesting month in sports, to say the least.
0: Yeah, it will certainly be a fun weekend and a fun rest of the spring, too. So I think that's all we got mm-hmm. uh, for Scott and myself. Well, that's it, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk & Chop. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sports. Also, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.